Good afternoon. I'm your host, Sean Ramkunis, and welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. A musical quote for today, to achieve great things, two things are needed, a plan and not enough time. Leonard Bernstein. And I think that's a great segue into introducing my guest. My guest is someone I met during my master's studies at Ithaca College. She is incredibly aware of her surroundings as an educator, conductor, and friend. She is always giving great advice to those who need it, and when she works with a group of people, she finds a way to connect with every single person in the room, which sounds impossible, but I have seen her do it on many occasions. Her name is Alyssa Camo. Alyssa Camo is a master in music in wind conducting candidate at Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York where she is a graduate assistant, director of bands, assistant conductor of the Ithaca College Wind Ensemble, and conductor of the Ithaca College Campus Band. She graduated in 2013 with her bachelor's degree in music education K-12 from Keene State College in Keene, New Hampshire. Camo was the music director at Profile Junior Senior High School in Bethlehem, New Hampshire for four years, where she led the high school concert band, middle school concert band, 7th through 12th grade chorus, pep band, pit band, and an acapella group. Additional responsibilities included introduction to guitar, music and film analysis, 8th grade general music, and directing the fall musical and being a class advisor. She was selected to conduct the North Country High School Music Festival concert band in 2015 as a guest conductor. Melissa has been principal lead player of the Weathervane Theater Company, a professional theater company in Whitfield, New Hampshire, for 10 years. While in Keene, Alyssa auditioned for and was accepted into the All New England Intercollegiate Honors Band all four years of her undergraduate degree on clarinet. Alyssa studied clarinet under Dr. Craig Servlin and Stephanie Jenkins, and she studied conducting under Dr. James Chesborough and Don Baldini. Camo's professional affiliations include New Hampshire Music Educators Association, the National Association for Music Education, and the College Band Directors National Association. She is also a proud member and music director of the Epsilon Chapter of Sigma Alpha Iota. Hey Alyssa, how you doing? Hey Sean, I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here and be able to share during this really interesting time in our lives. And the fact that music keeps us all together is really the reason why a lot of us got into that field. How are you staying sane right now during the quarantine? Oh, isn't that the question? <laughs> um, surprisingly, you know, I'm an, I'm an extrovert, but I actually really am okay with being at home and I have these two wonderful pets that I have to keep preoccupied and entertained regularly which is is good also I enjoy running so going out and running um, I'm a huge movie fan so just catching up on all the films that I haven't seen um, and those those are really I paint once in a while okay. keeping up with classes and making sure that I'm score studying and getting ready for the next chapter of my life uh, I got a fan right into the show to know that you are on the show. Um, this question comes from Mimi Rinaldi. She wants to know, 
what are you currently doing uh, conducting wise during the quarantine? Oh, that's a great question. Hello, Mimi, my sweetheart. I love and miss you dearly. Uh, Mimi and I are cohorts and friends at school. Uh, so what I'm doing right now conducting wise is I'm, I'm still taking private lessons with the fabulous Janet Galvan, mm -hmm. which has been wonderful. Um, so we meet once a week and I'm still score studying and practicing and she gets to see video of me and we comment on it and then we work through some difficult technical spots in scores. Also, um, the Wind Ensemble at Ithaca here has decided to do a virtual band. So mm. I sent recordings of myself conducting the entire Holst second suite and their recording to that mm. video my conducting. So those are some of the ways that I keep my conducting active. Mm. And I felt bad that at that time you were sort of getting ready to finish your recital at Ithaca College. Yeah, that is, so the whole timing of the pandemic really hit me hard because I didn't get to do my graduate conducting recital. I had the music picked, I had it all passed out, I had all the parts assigned, I had the program done, and we had our first rehearsal before break. So at least I got to run everything with the students once. Yeah. before the semester really kind of came to an end for us. So it was a bummer I didn't get to have a full recital, but I'm hopeful that the college will work with us to provide some sort of alternate performing opportunity. As I mentioned that you, uh, was there anything else you missed that you can't be doing right now? Oh, just being with my ensembles. Hmm. Campus band was going to be performing Vesuvius by Frank to Kelly, and they were working really hard and had an excellent last rehearsal with it um, so just being with my students being able to work with them having in-person lessons has been a real bummer to be missing while i'm at home um, and you know being out and active being out with people and those kinds of things are are disheartening to not have regularly I wanted to start with this. I mentioned this in my intro that I've known you for two years and the quality that you present in rehearsals are always great. But the thing that I know you do really well is finding everyone in the in the group and letting them know how special they feel, which is, I think, one of the, the discernible qualities that I really take away from a lot of your rehearsals. How how did you get to do that? How did you get there? Ooh. Um, I think a lot of it is just my personality. Mm. I, you know, I was raised in a very like traditional Christian home and my parents always raised me to be kind and thoughtful. I have grown up in music programs my whole life where the director is someone you respect and value. And that respect is only increased when that director and conductor shows you just how important you are to the ensemble. I also find it's really critical that if you're going to direct somebody and conduct a group, you need to know who these individuals are hmm. because you need to get to know how you can communicate with them. If there's a piece that has this really lovely line, what are you going to say that's going to make a personal connection with all of these students about what this line means? So if you can understand who they are a little bit and get to know them, then that really creates a bond and a family aspect in an ensemble, which I love. That's, mm. that's why I got into teaching, 
was mm. so that I could encourage and inspire students to just be more kind, compassionate, and caring. Um, so that's really how it got started. And then when I was teaching, I found that if I took the time to shake people's hands, to say hello, to get to know them, talk about their interests, what they like to do outside of music, um, not only do I see a increase in performance in the ensemble, but I see an increase of enjoyment of the music because we're all just here collaborating, making music together mm. rather than like that dictator kind of feel. Mm. And I, I feel like I know those compo- I know those conductors and those outlooks that you have aren't as good as those who feel like who get to know you. Yeah. I feel like you have more of a relationship and I think that at some level you might never really want a relationship with the teacher but at the same time a relationship with the teacher is what builds trust in your learning oh for sure i mean you could you could have the most brilliant resume that is stellar in every aspect that someone's going to look at and go wow this person has put the effort in to making their career important but until they make that effort to make a connection with you on a personal level, then you never really get beyond just the day-to-day. Mm. You never get beyond the kind of blase of being around each other. Mm. So I always thought that building the relationship deepened the experience of a teacher-student in a band position, especially because music is so emotional. You have to have that trust. And when you're playing in front of 50 people, if you make a mistake, you need to know that the person who's directing isn't going to be a jerk to you about it. They'll call you out when you need to be in a respectful and critical way, but they're not going to make you feel like dirt or trash. I think the era of I'm right and you're wrong and I have the final say is way over. Hmm. In the role of emotional behavior has changed, too, in that setting, I think. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, to sort of take a step back from our existential thinking and all that, I need to start out asking you, so where did young Alyssa find music? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, young Alyssa finding music. Uh, well, um... I would say it probably starts with my older sister who played flute and my first like kind of real experiences with music came from the concerts we would go to. It was the same with basketball, you know, kindergarten me was cheerleading so I could watch the basketball games, which would then until I was old enough to be able to play. So it was the same thing. I, my older sister was playing the flute in the band and going to those concerts and seeing those things um, definitely affected me. I also had a wonderful elementary music teacher. Her name is Marilyn Schroer. And that woman is a, an angel of God. She just, she loves, she has this deep connection with students, but she does it in a way that is all music-based. And it's all about, um, you know, having your students grow in music in a way that you almost don't believe at first, but she believes in you so much. So she, she was definitely a critical develop, like part of my development as a musician and a music ed major. 
because I knew that someday I wanted to be like that. I wanted to be like her. You know, she put the extra time in. She taught me piano lessons when I was little. She was my choir director. Um, and then I, I picked up the clarinet and started diving into that. And the, the real big turning point for me into whether music was going to be my career was going into my freshman year of high school. I was kind of on the fence about what I was going to do as a lifelong career. Now, as an eighth grader, that's not a super, like, <laughs> crisis. But for me, I didn't want to waste time in high school. I wanted mm. to spend a lot of my time focusing on the thing I wanted to do forever. So this is going to sound funny, but the things I was looking at were, like, astronaut slash space mm. physicist um, and archaeologist, because who doesn't love that opening scene in Jurassic Park and in um, Indiana Jones. Like, you want to be a cool archaeologist, right? Mm. Uh, or music. And I didn't know what in music, whether it was performance or if it was Ed. Um, so I I talked to my band director, and I was like, oh, I don't really know what I want to do. And, like, here's this, and what do I, huh? And he gave me the all-state audition for the next year that summer. And he goes, all right, you're going into your freshman year. Here's the audition material for bass clarinet let's see what you do from here and then we can talk about what your future looks like. So I went home and I practiced and I prayed to God. I said, all right, God, this is in your hands. If I make all state in a, as my a freshman in high school on bass clarinet, I will go and pursue a career in music. And not only was I the only person from my school who made all state, I scored a 99 out of 100 on my audition. And I was like, all right, God, there's my sign. Thank you. That's where I'm going. And then, of course, like as I grew, I had different choral and band teachers. I got to do a musical theater class as an independent study. I took theory. And that's kind of what solidified the ed portion of my degree. I was like, I want to go do this. I want to inspire these young musicians to go and pursue music further. Hmm. So why did you pick up the clarinet? Oh, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think like a lot of people have the story of like the case looked cool because it kind of looked like a purse or <laughs> the instrument was funny or, you know, mm. a lot of people pick trombone because the teachers who do demos do the big old glissandos. And kids are like, I want to do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, I think anybody who's a musician listening can recall the moment a demo happened and the thoughts that were going through little old, like, third grade mm. you who were listening. Um, but I, honestly, I don't know. I, I looked at it and I heard it and I was just like, that's it. Mm. That's one. I'm going to do that one. Little did I know what a read was or how difficult finding an embouchure on clarinet would be uh, or like the hand strength it would require to hold an instrument. It's just, it was destined to be. For me, it was, I listened to trumpet and I went, you know what? I really want to play French horn. And, <laughs> and then I, I went to my band teacher and I was like, I want to play French horn. And he goes, you know what? Let's start you on trumpet. And at that point I never really looked back. Uh, so, which is, I think a lot of people, I mean, like initially I want to be a percussionist and my sister said, no, you can't be a percussionist. I'm a percussionist. And at that point I was like, brass, it is. So let me ask you this. Uh, you were mentioning music education. 
As you were deciding to go to college, how did you sort of make the choice to choose music ed? I don't know. I just... Was it something that you knew already that you were going to do for a while? That was it. I think I honestly just knew that I wanted to be a music ed. I wanted to teach, and I think I specifically wanted to teach high school band. That was what I, like, my heart was set at, was doing the wind and percussion aspect of music. I didn't limit myself. I love being in a choral group. I love choral literature. Um, Don't get me started on the symphonies. The symphonies are magnificent. And the violin just does something that most of us can't do. Mm. Um, But I think there was a moment in high school that I had to pick what I was going to do, and it was just kind of laid out for me. It was like, oh, I love band. I love playing my clarinet. I think I could, I like to teach. I feel like that I just have a connection with that. And that's, it felt like it has, you know, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. But I think it just was there it was a part of who i was going to be throughout my life okay i was i like asking this to all my educator friends uh was there a specific teacher that inspired you to start music educating oh Oh, yeah oh yeah um that there are two specific so that elementary school teacher i told you about marilyn schroer she was a huge inspiration to my decision to go and get a degree in music education the other educator who I aspired to be like was my high school band director, Mike Martins. Mm -hmm. He came in my, he was the one who came in my eighth grade year and we had him for the rest. He's still at that high school. He's still at White Mountains Regional High School killing the band program, but he had played in military bands. He came in and he kicked our butts and he showed us what it was like to have a great sense of achievement while still being really enjoyable. Mm. So it's held us to a really high standard and made us push our boundaries in terms of our playing and our musicality. But he did it in a way that it was, it was like enjoyable, yeah. which was cool. So after you left Keene State, you found a job in New Hampshire and you started public teaching for about four years. And I want to read this list out again because I read it in the intro, but I, I need to read this again. You had taught high school concert band, middle school concert band, 7th through 12th grade chorus, pep band, pit band, acapella group. You also did uh, introduction to guitar, music and film analysis, 8th grade general music. You directed the fall musical, and you were also a class advisor. How the hell did you have all the time to do all of that? Indeed. (laughs) What, uh... That's the side of education that I think gets overlooked a lot. So I was teaching at a small school. It's a, it's a junior, senior high school. So you've got seven through 12. Okay. There were about 300 kids. And in a week, I saw 172 of them because mm. uh, the music program was so large. And because it's so small, you get to know all the kids. So you're going to the basketball games with the pep band and you're going to the soccer games to support your musicians and it doesn't take you very long to become a very active member of the community. <laughs> well, and I, and I only grew up 20 minutes from the town. I grew up literally town over and had known some of these kids, their older siblings, they had gone to high school with me. Mm. You know, I started 
teaching at 22 at this school. Mm. And I was the only music teacher in the building, which meant that I had to do it all. Now, a lot of the class stuff that you said was during the day. So mm. in terms of time frame, it was just a matter of using my summers, my prep periods, and my weekends really wisely to make sure I was prepared for all of my coursework. The additional stuff, like the, well, pep band is kind of part of high school band, but okay. it was after school and kind of required. Um, the musical and the class advisor, those were all things that kind of just fell into my lap. And I said, yeah, of course I'll do that because I care for these kids so much. Mm. So I was the class advisor of the, they were seventh graders when I started teaching and they needed an advisor for the high school year. So they're fresh. I didn't do it first off. So three years until I was a real advisor. Yeah. Um, but I, when I first started teaching, I got the job and they said, oh, hey, by the way, you're music directing West Side Story. And I was like, what? <laughs> West Side Story? <laughs> what school here does West Side Story? Um, we're way too small, right? <laughs> uh, and that was the beginning of my musical theater dive in. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, we had a director who did wonderful, but then after that, um, they decided it was a better fit for me to kind of direct, and so I ended up doing it all. I directed, mm. I choreographed, I music directed, I ran all the pit rehearsals, I taught all the songs, mm. and honestly, you just, it's probably why I lost so much weight when I was teaching. I didn't <laughs> believe but it's just, it's what you do when yeah. the kids need an outlet and these kids needed it. You know, you have half of the population is wealthy who live in these really big homes in this beautiful area in Northern New Hampshire. And then the other half is like poverty stricken. I think that the school has more than 50% free and reduced lunch. So it's like half and half. And what do you do to give these kids an outlet and things to do and mm. keep positive and stay out of trouble? And I was like, fill them with music give them every musical opportunity that I can. Um, so it was a lot. There were weekends I'm pretty sure I didn't sleep. Mm. Uh, but in the end, I also learned that that's not super healthy either because I burnt out. Mm. And I needed to take a year away from teaching to kind of determine whether I was going to continue, get my master's, change career fields. And honestly, that was the most important thing of my career development was taking a step away mm. to go and explore some other options to realize that, you know, I could be good at anything, but I can't live without my music teaching. Um, mm. So my word of advice for all of you young music educators out there is dessert first. Mm. And what that means is take care of yourself. Say no. It's okay to say no and give yourself at least two or three days a week where you don't do anything after school. A Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, if you're a marching band program, hmm. give yourself the time to recuperate so that you don't burn out. It does happen. So when the, within all those four years, you must have been exposed to so much music. My dream is to be alive but buried in music and to be able to see so many different kinds what was something that stood out to you when you were teaching? Was there something that you were playing that you were sort of like, this is really amazing? That you In terms of music-wise? Yeah. Or just teaching-wise? Uh, how about music? Anything that you sort of stumbled upon that you were sort of... Oh, man, that's hard. It's a lot. 
So okay. you're doing two or three concerts a year, and each concert is about an hour long. So you're looking at around seven to eight pieces for each ensemble, and that's mm. three ensembles plus any small ensemble group that I was doing. Um, mm. I, uh, I, oh, this is difficult. There's a lot of music <laughs> there. Um, yeah. I stumbled upon this piece called Let Evening Come. It's mm. a middle school lyrical piece that was written with the idea of a poem behind it. The poem was written by the New Hampshire Poet Laureate at the time. Um, so that was a really wonderful piece that I, I fell into. Another just like interesting thing that happened when I was teaching is that all the kids kind of started to get stagnant. I mean, they weren't professionals at their instruments by any means, but they were starting to feel a little stagnant. Mm. So I picked a piece that was a level two piece it was the Game of Thrones theme, mm. and I made them all learn a secondary instrument, hmm. high school band, hmm. and that was really cool. And I think because Game of Thrones is so well known and the theme is really wonderful, they all picked up on it really quick. And actually, um, it gave my middle school band members the opportunity to step forward as like the leaders of their section. So it was a really cool cross transaction there between the high schoolers learning a new instrument and the middle schoolers kind of being the uh, experts on that instrument of the time. So in between the gap year that you had and then the first year of your master's at Ithaca College, what did you base your decision on to get your master's? So I was working at a hotel as the, uh, I was a supervisor in guest experiences and group organizations. And I was doing a lot of work giving hotel tours and managing um, a concierge desk and working with the activities department to make sure that groups were satisfied when they came in. And during the tours, I would, there's a grand piano there. It's this beautiful, um, it's very old piano. It's a Steinway. It's one of the original Steinways made of rosewood. And anytime I would do the tour, I'd be like, do you guys want to hear what it sounds like? And I would just pop and play a little piano for my tour guy, my, my guests. And it was a lot of fun to just see these people react to me playing piano. Hmm. Um, and I, the whole point of that gap year was to determine whether I could live with or without music teaching. So I found a job in which I could still kind of do music. I was doing my musical. I do perform in community theater outside of mm-hmm. my experiences here teaching and, and jobs. So I was able to have a full-time job and be active in community theater. I was also participating in a community band and playing piano for my guests and getting tipped very well for playing that piano. Um, and so I found like almost the perfect job for me to, to do, to make money, but also to live my life as a musician. Mm. And what I realized while I was working is that even though music is a hobby for me, it doesn't make sense for me unless it's a career. I need to be fully immersed in this lifestyle. I need to be doing music 100% of my day and then using my hobby time to do other things like hiking or painting or exploring and traveling. So that was kind of where that decision came from. And I, I had spoken to a couple of colleagues of mine. I was considering getting my master's between year four and five anyway. And they had suggested it might be a really good time since I'm not in a school district and I don't have to leave students 
to go get a master's. And I'm like, that's perfect. So I applied and here, here I am finishing up my master's degree. And you've done so much work with your IC students. Uh, I feel like every GA that works for Wind Ensemble always sort of leaves an impact on the ensemble. Uh, your peers in the master department always have good things to say about you and good things to say about the department. Uh, what is something that you'll remember from your time at IC? Oh, so many wonderful And it doesn't have to be just one thing. It can be a few things. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I, I will always take away my first conducting experience with the wind ensemble. I was given a rather difficult piece, Short Ride in a Fast Machine, hmm. which is uh, by John Adams, and it was transcribed by um, L. Autumn, and it was insanity. It's a minimalistic piece. It was very difficult, but it was my first chance to really step up in front of the ensemble. I was very nervous. Uh, because I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted to know what I was doing, and I wanted the ensemble to, to feel, to have trust in that I knew what I was doing and that we could play together. And I get a little teary-eyed when I watch the video of me conducting that in the concert because you can just feel the energy of the ensembles with me, and we're playing, and we're having fun with this piece. So that's definitely a memory that I'll, I'll cherish. Hmm. Um, the, Lincoln, the Lincoln Center trip, so my last year in the spring, the Wind Ensemble and Symphonic Wind Band of Ithaca went to Lincoln Center to perform. It was kind of a 50-year anniversary of winds. It was this big celebration. And it was in the big celebration was that it had been 50 years to the almost the day since the, perform, the premiere performance of Karel Husa's Music for Prague, 1968. Mm. So to perform music for Prague in Lincoln Center and that trip was something else you know I I did comparatively to when I was teaching I probably did half of the preparation work normally I'm the one who's booking the hotel and doing all of the administrative preparing the the applications making sure the hotel rooms are all set making sure that our bosses are scheduled for this I didn't have to do as much of that which was kind of nice hmm. um so I got to really bond with the students on that trip. We got mm. to talk about music and their passion for music, where they came from, their backgrounds. And that was a moment. And they they absolutely blew the concert away. They filled that hall with sound. And it, has the, it was probably the best they had sounded all year. Mm. They were incredible. They did so well. They were so professional. And that will always go with me as mm. a really great moment. And then, of course, we have all the fun, like, traditional grad student memories of, like, going to Old Mac, celebrating people's birthdays, mm. um, and the way that the music community is just so close that we would show up to people's concerts and just, when you walk out on stage and you can hear your friends hooting and hollering in the back, there's something else. That's just a special uh, level of being a music performer, which I really appreciate, so it's a lot. There's a lot to take away from my time at Ithaca. Before we jump into the next segment where we describe all your playlists and songs, do you want to sort of explain your musical tastes? Oh, I am eclectic. I like everything, and mm. this is going to sound terrible. <laughs> Except pretty much country music. Mm. So I'm sorry to your fans who enjoy country music. Mm. I just never got into it. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. Or like really 
Oh, this is another like sketchy thing to say, but like trashy metal music. Because that exists out there. It does. Um, my musical tastes are everything. Of course, my career is band focused. Mm. So I love Windworks. They're definitely on my top. But I have a very special place in my heart for film scores. I love, love large, luscious orchestra symphonic scores. They're something else. Um, I really enjoy, I guess what you would call it is like folk acoustic kind of music. Um, Mm. they also can be categorized as like pop folky, you know, like the Lumiere's, um, Hosier, James Bay, those guys, um, Vance Joy. I love, uh, contemporary Christian music is Mm. wonderful because, you know, that's close to my heart with my religious views. It's all really moving and, and very powerful. I like a couple of like R&B hip-hop songs, a couple of rap songs. I don't have a lot on my playlist, but I'll, I'll listen to some and bop. Hmm. Some old like 90s and early 2000s pop is where it's at. <laughs> we need a like, dance party to go to. Hmm. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, and of course, I'm a metalhead. I'm, I'm like I'm a low-key secret closeted metalhead hmm. who used to go tour every year with my brother and we used to listen to bands like we came as romans devil mm. wear prada sleep sirens so it's it's kind of a mishmash of everything a collage almost mm. <laughs> and we'll get all into that uh as soon as we come back Alyssa, if you don't mind sticking around we're gonna take a little break and we'll be right back We're back. That felt great. Um, Alyssa, I, I need to tell you that your playlist is so unique. I think that um, you have picked such a variety of music. Uh, the first song that you gave us is called Summer Vibe by the band Walk of the Earth. Is that correct? That is correct. That is my first song for today. And... I keep telling my guests who bring in these bands with crazy names. I love bands with with such you know unique flavor in their name. I feel like it it adds so much to their music. Uh, so I need to ask you, uh, what kind of music is this? So the band Walk Off the Earth is a really unique band by themselves. They are a lot of people know them as like ten hands, one guitar. They performed at a, I think, a Super Bowl performance like a long time ago on one guitar, and they were all performing together. Hmm. Um, they are like folky, but not folky, <laughs> and they are, they're unique and funny and spunky, and that's what I really love about them. They do a lot of covers, but they also have a lot of originals. The Summer Vibe song is an original from them, and actually, the the female singer and one of the lead singers are they're married and they have children and they do a little like blog to see like their youngest child is experimenting with all these different foods and so it's like romeo eats and they're like showing what this kid eats and Mm. they're doing cooking shows right now and they're doing live performances from their couch for their audiences they're just Mm. they're a really wonderful band that gives to the community and what's really great so their name is Walk Off the Earth, and so Wote, W-O-T-E is their short, mm. and they call up, call all of their fans Wotelings. <laughs> it's 
So they're just a unique group of people, and it's the thing that I think drove me to them. Where did you first hear about the band? I heard about the band the summer before I came to Ithaca from a friend of mine. His name is Andrew. He ha- I hadn't seen him since high school, and mm. he was coming through, and we reconnected, and he was like, oh, you got to listen to this band. They're so great. And, like, it was instant love. I was like, oh, my gosh, these <laughs> guys are so great. Mm. Um they're funny and they're quirky, but they're also super talented. Um, when they perform, they actually throw instruments at each other and switch between like ukulele and guitar and drums. They can play anything, um, which I, I really love about them. And that summer was really a difficult time for me. I was kind of working on some transitions like mm-hmm. personally and mm-hmm. through school and things. Mm-hmm. And I, this song, there was a moment when I was driving home from work it was one of my last days at the hotel, and I played the song, and I just pulled my hair out of my bun and put the windows down in my car and let the mm. sunshine in. And you just can feel the bright liveliness of it, and it was, like, very refreshing, very mood-altering. Mm. So they're they're great. When I listened to the song, I sort of thought of how I'll feel when the whole pandemic will feel when we're all, like, on the beach again. Um, I think the lyrics show that, too. I'll ask you about that in a sec, but first we're going to check out Walk of the earth by or walk of the earth singing summer vibe i'm looking for a summer vibe got me turning on the radio i gotta kick these blues working all day trying to make pay wishing these clouds away i want to feel the sunshine I think the sound of the ocean also, in a way, sort of adds to the song. I kind of like that. Um, And here's something I want to ask you. The lyrics in the opening are, I'm looking for a summer vibe, got me turning on the radio. I gotta cook these blues, working all day, trying to make pay, wishing these clouds away. I want to feel the sunshine and hit the sand. Uh, What do you think about the lyrics? Oh, I think they're perfect for when you need that escape day, that away day. Mm. And I think everybody can relate to that, you know? I think everybody's got their version of a nine-to-five job, that that job that's going to give them the money and give them the freedom to explore and have life uh, a little more adventurous. So the lyrics really are attainable for everybody. I think everybody can relate to that. And just looking for that good vibe. That And there's something about summer that I think gives everybody this positive vibe. Mm. It's, it's not winter vibes. Because <laughs> when you hear songs about winter, it's usually dark and it's damp and it's not very bright and light. But summer gives you this kind of this excitement and this joy. So you're you're working all day trying to make pay so you can wish those clouds away. Mm. And just go enjoy a wonderful time by the beach or taking hikes or walks or enjoying the sun. I love that line, just like uh, sipping on suds, trying to get a buzz, <laughs> drinking the shade. I love that. Yeah. It's just like that's, it's laid back. It's relaxed. It's so, mm. um, it's joyful. It has joy in it. Mm. And I think it's a perfect way to introduce the next song that Alyssa gave us, which is Oh Come to the Altar by Elevation Worship. So you mentioned to me before that, 
that this is contemporary Christian. Is that correct? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, okay. you've got like old hymnal songs that are kind of their own realm, but I would say any kind of Christian music that is newer is considered CCM, contemporary okay. Christian music. Okay. And do you want to introduce the song in the band? Oh, yeah. Okay. So okay. Um, first I'll just say that I am... I, the word religious is always very scary because I feel like that puts people in a box. Hmm. Um, I, I just have really strong beliefs in the teachings of Jesus. I love Jesus, and I think that um, he loved everybody, and he spent his time just being with people and loving on people and really wanting to get to know them at where they were at. So I, um, I have strong convictions in this belief, and I have been struggling with where I was at with my relationship with God. Hmm. And I found this song at church a couple of months ago, um, they have a prayer time and they were playing it during prayer time. And I just wept because of the lyrics. The lyrics are all are about, for those who are weary, come, come and lay your, your burdens on me and let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderfully written by a great band and a great pastor. Elevate Church is one of the, the tops, I think, in my mind of church that are giving and working with music mm-hmm. to kind of evoke these motions um so yeah it's it's an altar call song it's about kind of like opening your heart and just allowing allowing troubles and issues and you know a lot of us have a tendency of defining ourselves by the world's mirror the world's view Hmm. when in reality if you could only define yourself by what god sees you as as this beautiful light this unique human who has a special talent who's been gifted in some way you know, we would uh, we would all be a little bit healthier, I think. So this song was was a wake up call for me into the you know for all who are burdened and weary and ashamed, just come and just come to the altar. Jesus loves you so much. Hmm. Beautiful. Let's check it out. Here is "Oh Come to the Altar" uh, by Elevation Worship. So I need to ask you this. Uh, we played um, the Omar Thomas Come Sunday, where it exposed a lot of church music in a wind ensemble setting that you got to play. You got to conduct one of the concerts that I got to do with you this year. Um, can you tell me a little more about you? You were mentioning like how religion and music sort of meet at one level, but do they can they still overlap and still have a wholesome theme? 
Oh yeah, I think that music and religion and, and belief systems and values can certainly meet and have that, that connection and move, and it can be something for everybody that doesn't have to have a specific agenda. I think a lot of the times people are worried about music having an agenda, mm. especially with the Omar Thomas. You know, the Omar Thomas Come Sunday, one was a tribute to Duke Ellington by the title of the piece Come Sunday, and two was really kind of a, it was a tribute to a lot of the great Southern Baptist uh, musicians. So you've got the uh, the Hammond organ, which is kind of featured in the beginning of the first movement with the tenor sax solo. It's very similar to that style mm. um, and how people worship in different ways. And it's, it's very reflective, it's very intimate, it's very like each person in the ensemble gets their chance to kind of say their, their piece about where they're at. Um, which is why the melody starts in tenor and then it starts to kind of bounce around the ensemble with the winds and then the brass come in at the end. Mm. The second movement is shout. And that definitely is like a true hardcore tribute to like big gospel choirs that are clapping their hands and just worshiping and letting their hands go. So I think the combination of like music education, music as a medium and spiritual religion can certainly come together and Mm. be used to get people uh, experience with new styles of music and new cultures and new belief systems. And I think understanding these belief systems to the point in which you can respect people for having them is what brings the world and humanity together. Right. And not to get too far away from the song, but I think there's a level of acoustic music that I think sometimes can sort of be underrated. And I think that moment in the beginning has a sort of powerful impact on sort of like how one single instrument can make such music i think especially and we can make that connection to that same piece like um we literally listen we were just talking about the omar thomas um come sunday the saxophone can just take over the whole song oh yeah and i i think that the modern christian music certainly uses that a lot the a quiet guitar with some light piano chords or just the piano to kind of get us centered and focused. And that's, you know, this song really does utilize that with just that nice acoustic guitar chug, chugga, chugga, chug in the background to kind of get us centered to where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times for us in the church, it's a, an opportunity to allow us to get into the right mindset for worship. Hmm. And again, another beautiful transition to your next piece one Life Beautiful by Julie Giroux. And I should mention, Julie Giroux is American composer of orchestral, choral, chamber, and she has written numerous concert band works. And I first was introduced to her when I got to play bookmarks in Japan, or from Japan, in my sophomore year of uh, Ithaca College. Um, when did you get to know her writing? It was this piece. It was my sophomore year of my undergraduate degree. I was performing at the um, All New England Intercollegiate Band Festival hmm. down at Gordon College right. in Mass. Our guest conductor was Ray Kramer, and Ray Kramer brought this piece with him. Of course, the piece One Life Beautiful was written by Julie Giroux, but it was commissioned by Ray Kramer in remembrance of his daughter who had passed. Hmm. So my first experience with her music was right then and there, was playing this piece with the person who commissioned it for his daughter, Ray Kramer, conducting the ensemble Hmm. and there are a couple of really beautiful little clarinet solo lines in it that I had the honor of having that year so that's when I first got to know Julie Giroux and some of her work and then started to explore some of her other works 
I had considered a couple of other pieces for my recital, but this one would have been on my recital. Um, and uh, she did have a newer composition come out this past year called uh, Symphony Number no. 5, The hmm. Elements. And I highly suggest everybody takes a listen because it's a really unique work. Hmm. I also want to mention to you and the listeners um, that she is also known for her writing for TV and movies. And that... Uh, Not a well-known fact. She does a lot for television. And she also won an Emmy. Not recently, but she won it in the past, like, decade or two for her uh, writing for uh, a, sh- a miniseries called North and South. But she is mainly known for her writing for band. Uh, I don't really know a lot of her orchestral stuff or her choral stuff, but I do know a lot of her band stuff. Um, do you want to introduce... And you just introduced the song. Uh, let's take a listen. Here is a little bit of Julie Jarreau's One Life Beautiful. And I should mention that uh, this piece uh, was per- like um, the recording that we were just listening to is by the N E N M U Symphony Band. Uh, her writing can be very personal. I think very touching, very powerful. Um, what What do you like about her writing? I like that her writing is so unique, and that it is so personal. The fact that she's able to capture into lines of melodies that pass between the ensemble and different colors and textures of the ensemble that directly relate to a message or a story. Those are the things that I love. Um, This piece is really special because it can either be discussed as, you know, celebrating the one life of Ray Kramer's daughter that was lived so beautifully or I like to consider it for a lot of us who are currently living today that each get one life. Hmm. And that's beautiful in itself that we have this one wonderful life to live. And that's what she does. She finds a way to like touch your inner soul and make you know like music is here to stay. 
and also of course like she's representing for women composers all over the world hmm. so to the naysayers out there who prefer orchestra over band how do you sort of tell them you know what band is as good as orchestra what do you tell them so for anybody who would tell me that orchestra is better than band, I would say um, I think they're listening to music for the wrong reasons. I think it doesn't matter about the eliteness of the music. I think what matters is the emotion that we invoke. You know, we, you, we can talk about how you can listen to the most perfect, in the box, everything is right version of any kind of music and how that's going to affect you versus a piece of music that's played by an ensemble that's so committed to its idea and so committed to the movement and the, the concept of the emotional outflow of what this music is supposed to represent. And even if it's not perfect, it's not in that box just like designated as perfect, it will have an out-of-world experience for the audience and for the musicians themselves. I would, I would tell someone who thinks that one is better than the other, and that could go both ways, someone who thinks band is better than orchestra, um, that no, not one is better or one is more elite. They're just different. Mm. They're both used in the same relative medium to express something that words can't say. And even though Shakespeare had the art of the language to make words say it in a way mm. that we process through music, mm. people need the musical expression of those things. Yeah. So we have different colors because of our saxophone. The clarinet gets some other things. And as you just mentioned colors, I think that's another great segue into the next piece that you gave us, which is by the band Sleeping at Last. Or is it... Oh, that's right. Okay, Sleeping at Last. And yep. uh, the, the song is called Sun. Uh, what genre of music are we going to listen to? Um, I, I don't know how to classify Sleeping At Last. They are like a like an avant-garde almost. They're like, they're unique. They have their own sound. Um, any of my friends out there who are Grey's Anatomy fans are going to are going to recognize the voice. A lot of Sleeping At Last covers and songs are used on television for shows like Grey's Anatomy. Hmm. I've caught myself being like, oh, that's sleeping at last playing <laughs> on that scene. Um, which is great. They, uh, you know, they have some instrumentals that they do. They have um, some more upbeat songs, some more uh, covers. They do covers. Hmm. I think they're they're definitely more like an acoustic set. They're definitely more of like a a low-key, acoustic, new-age kind of ensemble. <laughs> so here is... Right, no, it, I think that's a perfect way to describe them. Um, here is Sleeping at Last by... Or sleeping. here is Sleeping at Last playing the song Sun. Here we go. Space. 
I think I really enjoy the atmospheric like quality to to this track. I think it's in like what you said. I think it it does add a lot to like TV shows in a way. Like it sort of has that nostalgic aspect of it. I think that sort of that brings out that color, like we were just talking about. Uh, so I like listening to more peaceful music, um, and I think this mm-hmm. can really help find people in a better emotional state. It might calm you down, might not. Uh, what's what can you say about peaceful music that people should be doing more of or like listening to? If that makes sense. Oh yeah, I think I follow you. Um, you know, I would suggest that is Sean. Like, if you're really liking this music, you listen to any of this album. So this song comes from a specific. There are four or five different sets that comes from this one album called Atlas. And it's called Atlas Year One. Hmm. They have this one is part of their universe set. So there's the Sun, Earth, Mercury, Moon, Venus, Saturn. Saturn is like Saturn's one of my favorite songs from them, and I almost put it on this list. <laughs> um, but I felt like people needed to hear the brightness of the song from the Sun hmm. um, right now because I just it's this is a list of life, and I think that that lyric that says. I might fall in love every time I open my eyes. Mm. I'm finding beauty in everything, and I just felt like that was something that needed to be put out into the world. Mm. Um, they have another set that is like, it's Earth, so it's uh, North, South, East, and West. They have another set that's the oceans, so Atlantic, Pacific, Indian. Um, and they're all just, it's a beautiful album. I highly suggest anybody listens to it because it's all very mellow. It's very peaceful. So I think what we need to be doing today is I think that we need to find time to listen to peaceful music in a setting where we're not bombarded by a lot of external factors. Mm. I used to do this with my high school students once in a while just to remind them of the reason why we do music. I called it a music moment. Mm. What we would do, we would turn all the lights down and everybody would find a safe space in the room where they could be themselves and they would either sit on the floor, sit in a chair or lay down. And then they would close their eyes and I would start a piece of music. And then I would just allow them, like, I'd tell them to focus on their breathing. I would tell them to imagine the music as a blanket and just let it cover you. It's warm. You're safe. Allow yourself to just be moved by whatever you're going to hear in one way or another. And then as the song came out, I would say, all right, now we're going to come out of this state. So just take that music blanket off as the piece unwinds. And... That was probably one of the most beneficial things to my students because it gave them a place where their mind could go Mm. and it could be free with no restraints. Mm. And so it allowed the music to enter and it gave them such a a calm presence. Even if they were like, I had kids who were crying over some pieces, um, a piece by the King Singers called Horizons, and they Mm. were totally like in tears, but they were in peace about themselves and where they were in that moment. So especially in days like today where a lot of us are feeling cooped up and stuck inside and struggling with this day-to-day life of COVID-19 pandemic, I think just setting aside some quiet meditative time to play some peaceful music and do nothing else, no Mm -hmm. TV, no computer, no nothing, a good set of headphones close to your head. Um, And of course, if you can keep this kind of music playing in the background when you're doing some other things, um, cooking or reading, it definitely helps. Um, but for being a musician, for me, I, I really need to be 
enthralled and covered in that world of music. So I usually put really big headphones on and just go dark to the world and allow the music to, to change me. So right now we're at a three, and this next tune we're going to bump up to about a 57, because I think, I, I love how we're going to be jumping into this this totally different genre of music. Uh, the band is called Story. So far, uh, the song is Empty Space. And again, I love bands' names that sort of play with your expectations and have such a different meaning. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the band before we start playing it? So I'm a terrible listener of music. I don't usually get to know the bands that I listen to often. Um, I find the music and I listen to it and I enjoy it. And then when I find more music from them, um, but I, I'm not a trivia uh, human when it comes to bands' names and those things. So the story so far is a metal, punk metal band. Mm. Um, I was introduced to them um, a couple of years ago when I was at a warp Tour one summer. And they, um, they're relatively young and they were relatively new to the scene not too long ago. But they're just like, they're a fun punk band that likes to enjoy a little bit of everything. So a lot of their music, of course, is um, like the spiteful ex almost. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, I'm better off without you kind of a thing. Or yeah. all questions aside, I asked and you lied and now my hands are tied kind of stuff. Mm. Um, which is a lyric from the song you're going you're gonna <laughs> to hear later. Um, they're just, they're a riot and they're a hoot. And like... You, you're in your car and the song comes on. It's on my running playlist. Okay. And it, it's kind of the song that when it comes on, I start to like drum to. <laughs> <laughs> Here is uh, the story so far singing Empty Space. feel like i feel i i totally got your energy when i saw you rocking out back there um i need to know the lyrics in this are so interesting let me read a little bit of a few uh all that i know is buried is your space and em is empty it's buried below the stress and the envy all the places i go it still hasn't left me i hated it then and now it consumes me so in a way we're, we're still talking about the existential function of everyday life and finding a way to be calm. I think that's our overall theme for today. Um, do you have any thoughts about what we're talking about or any of the lyrics that I just mentioned? Oh yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean like you can take, you can think of it literal as like your space is empty in terms of like a breakup or a relationship that ended and that like this, this person who was a part of your life, you know, that, that part of your heart, that's, Space that you held them in, either physically in a home or like 
metaphorically in your heart is mm. empty. And it talks about how like you, I hated it. I hate that it's empty. I hated it then. And now it consumes me. Um, and that's, you know, you could see it literally in one way, or you could see it more figuratively, more open uh, the idea of, you know, a lot of the times as life is changing, we end up getting these empty spaces in our lives, whether they are something emotional, whether they're something physical, you lose somebody, you lose a pet, um, you lose a home, you end up getting hungry. So you start to lose, you lose a job. So you lose these things. And this struggle about how do you fill that space? What's going to then take that place? And how do you emotionally, mentally, and physically deal with the struggles of everyday challenges. Um, so it's just, you know, that's that's kind of a deeper meaning to the song that I'm sure that the, the stories of our, <laughs> uh, No. But it's a jam. It's a jam. It's definitely a jam. Alyssa, thank you for your diverse playlist. I'm so glad that we got to go through all of it and sort of chunk it out. Um, the next thing we're going to do is I'm going to test Alyssa. Me and Alyssa have a very high love of musicals. And oh, God, what we're going to do is I'm going to share her a scenario, and she'll have to guess what the musical is. But if, Alyssa, you don't mind sticking around, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Alyssa's musical quiz. We'll be right back. I we shared the same interest of loving musicals. We've sung musicals together. It is now time for me to test you on different scenarios of musicals, and you try to tell me what it is, and this is what we'll do. I'll tell you the scenario, and if you don't get the scenario, I will I'll let you in on one of the songs, and then I'll sing one of the songs to sort of let you try to figure out what the, what the musical is. So here's the first musical. A town that goes topsy-turvy when a teen idol shows up to serenade one lucky fan. Oh, boy. Uh... Oh, give me a second. <laughs> Would you like some songs? Yes. Okay, so you have What's the Matter with Kids? Gee, what's the matter with kids? And you got, you gotta be sincere. You gotta be sincere. You gotta be sincere. It's not Bye Bye Birdie. It's Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. All right. Here's number two. Hippies struggle for generational and personal identity while dealing with Vietnam War and exploring drugs and the sexual revolution. Uh, rent? No, uh, songs would be maybe Aquarius, Easy to be Hard, uh, Manchester, England. Maybe sing me a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Aquarius, uh, Aquarius. Like it, it, it sort of displays the, uh, the idea of, um, uh, that also has to deal with a certain growth of something on top of your head. It's hair. It's hair. That's it. That's right. Okay. Here's the next one. Okay. A naive young man 
is encouraged by a flashy troop of traveling players to try his hand at war, love, and other joys before settling down. And you have such hits as Extraordinary, Magic to Do, and Corner of the Sky. Oh. And when I say extraordinary, I should say extraordinary. And um, the corner of the sky. Pippin. Yeah, that's right, Pippin. I, I I always feel so bad that our school we were gonna do Pippin, but it just got canceled, uh, which stinks. Yeah. I know. Um, another friend of ours, Ben, was going to do it. Um, he couldn't do it because of the pandemic. But we are still in high spirits for next semester because they're doing Sweeney Todd next semester. A uh, group. So of friends, here's the next one, is trying to stay together in a world of judgment, sexual diseases, heartbreak, and it's very hard to live in New York. That rent. That is rent. With with rent. such hits as Santa Fe and Seasons of Love. And here here's the last one. I think you've been doing so well so far. Here's the last one. Beloved characters from a movie make their Broadway debut with fart jokes. Uh, innuendos and funny commentary on the climate of children's stories. Rotten Tomatoes? You have such hits as Story of My Life. Oh, Shrek. <laughs> That's right. That is it. Ah. Al- Alyssa, you passed yeah. this exam with flying colors. You finished the podcast with oh. absolutely flying colors. I need to know... And also congratulate you on passing your oral exam the other day. Um, I need to know, is there anything... That's right, and you are now a master of your own craft. Um, Is there anything you want to share with our listeners before you go? I just want to thank you for this opportunity. It's been a lot of fun getting to chat with you today. And hopefully uh, this conversation will inspire your listeners to go and dive into some new music and never never limit yourself to the box you think the world has put you in. Mm. Go and explore, go and be the person that you are destined to be. And uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, again, thank you for your time, your playlist, and your bio. I really hope we can do this again and we can talk another time. But thanks again, Alyssa. Yes, of course. Thank you, Alyssa, and you've been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Also this week, I'll have my friend Oliver Scott, graduate of Ithaca College and excellent jazz and classical pianist, and he just got a decent to get his master's in music. And that's it for me. I'm Sean McCunis, and keep listening to what you love.